Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, I think that's our housekeeping items. And if we're ready, we're going to get into today's uh, message out of Titus chapter 2. You ready? If you've got, if you want to take notes, there should be a notes page in your program. And we're going to be in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, as we continue the series called A Faithful Church. And today we're talking about living wisely. Living wisely is a faithful church. Titus is a letter written by the, uh, the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Titus who was leading a group of churches on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean. And he writes Titus to give him some real practical instructions in what we come to learn was a bit of a challenging or unruly uh, church. Picking up at chapter 2, and I know we've stood for a while, but if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do, to do so as I read through verse 10. You, however, Titus, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. And similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. I had moments in my youth and and certainly since then as well when I was reminded um, that my unbelieving peers had uh, you know sort of an expectation of how a Christian ought to live and I didn't always and I don't always meet that standard. So let's say, for example, a friend with no Christian interest at all might be the first to say, hey, don't judge me but then feel quite free to judge me if they saw a conflict between what I believed, what I said I believed, and what I actually did. And maybe you've experienced that too in school or in the workplace or at home. Perhaps your spouse or your or your kids or your parents aren't believers, and it feels like they're very quick to catch you in your very human moments. We aren't perfect. None of us are sinless. And so in a way it seems unfair and it reminds me a little bit of that bumper sticker you've, you've probably seen that says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Uh, th- that's not a bad statement. It's not really a complete statement. Um, there's more to it than that. But according to Paul, the world is watching and effectively they do have the right to call us out when our faith and our actions don't match. Um, 
the, the believer is to lead not just a forgiven life, but a new life, a changed life. It's the stuff that Crystal was talking about in her presentation with you this, this morning, uh, a life that obeys Christ. And so in this letter, Paul helped Titus understand his role as a teacher, as a pastor, as a leader, as a mentor to this church and its believers on the island of Crete. And while this letter was written specifically to Titus, there's things for all of us in here as we've been, as we've been digging. We want to be a faithful church. And, and it's, that's a church that, uh, you know, can be filled with, or a faithful church happens when, when we are a people who live wisely, right? And so I'm going to grab three thoughts out of this passage about living wisely. All right, so verse 1, we open with this command to, t- to Titus to teach well. Titus was to teach the older men, the older women, the younger men, the slaves, which would be the equivalent of employed workers. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, the range covers all these age groups and gender groups, except um, that the younger women were to be taught by the older women. And that's just a wisdom piece for Titus in terms of sexual integrity and, and relationships and so on. There's a lot of, though, teaching and learning that's happening in this section. And so, in other words, if we're going to live a life that matters, we want to teach and be teachable. Teach and be teachable. This applies to all of us, although the first reaction might be to say, well, I'm not a teacher and I don't really have the gift of teaching, so this doesn't apply to me. And I would want you to think about this in the simplest of terms. How did you begin to tie your shoes? Did, for most of us, a few geniuses out there, but for most of us, someone taught you. I think, I think it was my older brother that taught me how to tie my shoes. That's my recollection. Um, interestingly, he turned out to be a teacher, um, right? But was the person who taught you to tie your shoes, were they a qualified shoe tying instructor? Do they have that certificate that says, you know, has has completed the course in shoe tying and is now qualified to serve? And and perhaps if you had children of your own, you probably taught them to tie your shoes. Well, who gave you the authorization to do that? Right? You did it because that's what you do. You taught. We're always to to pass on what we know. And and that is the best way to actually grow is to share what you've learned and then share it with others. And we're all teaching all the time in some way or form, for better or for worse. My seminary prof uh, liked to say, uh, you know, that no life is wasted. You can always serve as a bad example. And um, the, the question is, in our teaching, whether or not we're going to be intentional with it. Pastor Wayne Cordero of New Hope Church in Honolulu calls it stewarding your authority. Like you have a certain measure of authority to speak into the lives of others. Are you taking good care of that? Are you using that authority well? It's one of the reasons we've been offering a, a class here. In fact, they're meeting right now in the student center um, called in, it, it's Intentional Grandparenting. Intentional Grandparenting um, because we want you to be equipped and taught how to pass those skills on to grandkids. Grandparents are told that their job is to just to spoil the grandkids you know, or you see the bumper, bumper sticker, you know, God, grandkids are God's reward for having children as those having children was somehow a burden. And now you get grandkids. Children are a blessing. Perhaps grandkids are a double blessing. But 
But what if it's more than just spoiling those grandkids? What if there's a higher calling and that's to use your position of influence, right? To teach godly habits and godly wisdom into the lives of succeeding generations. So others will say, well, I'll teach, no problem, but you don't really need to teach me anything because I kind of know it all. I've kind of got it figured out. I'm fine. I've got this sorted out. Yet in this passage, it's implied that if we're going to be teachers, we have to be teachable. We have to be teachable. Um, there's, There's no exempt age group here in this passage. Each one is to be taught then by someone else. So my question is, are you teachable? Can you accept instruction and then apply it into your life? Are you willing to hear even though you think you've got it sorted out? For example, when I first started here at Bethany Church, I, I started challenging you to read your Bible. And I, I said, suggest you try a, a method of reading and journaling called the R&R Journal. And some of you took up that challenge. And then you came and told me, you know, I'm learning new things. And I'm, 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 I'm finding like new um, I'm discovering new things in God's word and I'm growing. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what happens when you're teachable, right? Those people understood that God puts shepherds in our lives to lead us to better things. And when you're teachable, you discover great and godly things. A godly person is teachable. So let yourself be led by the teachers that God brings you. I want to review this list. I don't have a ton of time here, but let's, I want to just go over this list of the learning and teaching starting in verse two that, that, that Paul gives us beginning uh, with the older men. Older men teach them to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and endurance. You know, I'm just going to speak to the older guys for a minute. That's, that's, let's say 40 and up. And, uh, and the rest of you can tune out just for this moment. Here's a chance to check your Facebook or whatever you do anyway during church. Um, uh, guys, we get to a place in our life, um, you know, we're finally at a life stage where we know stuff and we want people to recognize that we know some stuff and we just want to have some respect and be heard. Like I know some things, just listen to me for a change, right? That's how we feel a little bit as, as older guys and, and, and Paul is saying, Titus, these guys still need to be taught. We still have to be willing to learn and grow no matter where we're at. And so these are the kinds of things uh, in particular. First thing he says, be temperate. Typically, I mean, that's kind of a broad word that sense in the sense of like being a balanced person. But typically it really applies to the use of alcohol, to not be overindulgent in alcohol, uh, to be respectable. Someone people can look up to. To be self-controlled. Literally, the word is sensible and it comes up at least three times just in this passage. And you mentioned it, Crystal, in your talk. This challenge to be self-controlled and to kind of get a handle on things in your life. Uh, And then he says to be sound in faith, in love and endurance. You know, I see that as a package that represents the desire or the, the command and the instruction to finish well. Guys, we all know people, and I'm still talking to the men, we all know people that didn't finish well. They did great, and then at the end, they they just crashed or they just floated away. Instead of finishing strong, run to the tape, do all, all you can to finish well, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. And then he says to teach the older women, uh, this list is about living as a more dignified person. 
He, he says, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And then they can urge the younger women. So this is the, that word reverent is literally the phrase is in behavior as benefits holiness to live in a way that helps you grow in your spiritual life, that helps you grow in your intimacy with the Lord. Live that kind of way. And, he, and then he says, for example, not slanders, not talking about other people, talking behind their back or telling stories about them or even gossip, not, not doing that, not heavy drinking. I know there's so much anyway, just, you know, like be again, that's that temperate word teaching what is good. Pass on what you know and what you've developed, what you've learned and help others with that, because he says they're the ones to be teaching the younger women, older women. You get to kind of speak into the lives of, of younger women. Becky and I had a funny situation yesterday where we realized that we are an older man and an older woman when someone asked us to teach them how to do canning. You know, like where you put fruit in jars and put, right? I'm like, Becky said, they can just go on YouTube. I said, I know they would learn better from YouTube, but we're going to do it because we're older and we get to do this now, right? And then speaks to the younger women who are to be taught by the older women. Um, teach uh, um, verse four, urging younger women to love their husbands, children and children to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. This is really about establishing a life that will create influence and holiness around you. This is, you're establishing influence. So things like Younger women, to love your husband. Speak well of your husband. There's sort of this move I knew of a couple that, you know, she loved to poke fun at her husband on social media. Can you believe he did this? She'd show a picture of some blunder he'd made in the kitchen. Can you believe he did this? And I thought, this marriage is not going to last if this carries on. And And thankfully, they kind of figured that out. But it wasn't loving. Love your husband. Love your children. Your children are not a burden. They're a blessing. Right? To be self-controlled. Again, the, the, the word literally there is sensible. Like think through what you're doing. Pure. Talking about sexual purity. Um, and then he says, working at home. This is kind of interesting. Uh, busy at home. You think, well, does the Bible say that every woman should be a stay-at-home mom? No, that's not what the Bible is saying. But understand the time and the context when that's generally what, what the place was that a woman would be home. And especially as as uh, as prosperity would rise, you would have less and less to do because you would have servants who would do that for you. And what it's talking about is be industrious. Make good use of the time that you have. Redeem that time for the benefit of those around you, younger women. And then he says, talks about being subject to husbands. For the sake of the gospel, it speaks well of God's word when you respect and follow the order and pattern that God's given. Crystal, I just loved how you honored our women so well, but you made sure to say, hey, this is also in this sense of this basket of we're in this together. And I really appreciate that so much. So uh, we, we want to see where there's order instead of chaos. Chaos, when we do it our way, there's order when we do it God's way. And then finally, to the young, or not finally, but to the younger men, he, he says to encourage them. It's a very strong word. It's more like a command, stronger than teach. It's like urge these young men to be self-controlled. It's that same word, sensible. Um, 
And then Titus is in much more of a mentoring role with the younger men. Young men need mentors. Uh, I, I was blessed to be raised in a great family. My dad's awesome. But, you know, I think I would have benefited from having a mentor in my life. And I think about the occasional man in my life who spoke in and helped me. Sometimes you need to hear stuff from somebody other than your dad. That's just the way it is. And and we need those people who will... So us older guys, we have a responsibility to speak life into the younger into the younger men and we're teaching them good works and integrity and seriousness and then finally he speaks to slaves or we would the equivalent today would be employees and and i, I the bible never condones slavery I just got to be feel like i have to be clear about that every time but in that first century roman empire at least in italy or the equivalent of italy you had somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of the population that were slaves and most of those would have been functionally employees that could never leave their job. Some of you feel like slaves. You kind of feel a little trapped in what you do. And for many, it was, it was abusive and abhorrent and terrible treatment. Anytime humans are treated as something that can be bought or sold, it's abhorrent. It's a terrible thing. Wherever the gospel grew to a place of influence, slavery gets knocked down again and again and again. I want to be so clear about that. But in the meantime, as an employee, he says stuff like, don't talk back. Uh, be honest. Don't steal stuff. Have integrity. So that you make the gospel attractive to the people around you. So whatever your life stage, male, female, young, old, employed, retired, whatever you are at, teach and be teachable. And there's a reason for this. We see it verse 5 and we see it verse 10. It's that so that no one will malign the word of God and so that we make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. What is this about? Well, I think we could say it this way, that if we're going to be a faithful, wise living church, we need to live an evangelistic lifestyle. Live an evangelistic lifestyle. Let me explain this just a little bit. Without a doubt, the older we get... You know, and the more resources we have, and I would say that applies to all of us really in the West, then the more tempted we are to retreat into comfort and self-indulgence and like just taking it easy. Like, I've got this going on, just leave me alone, right? And we talk a lot about this here. Now, obviously, I want you to enjoy the blessings, including the material blessings that God has placed in your life. You should enjoy that. God's given us all things to, to enjoy in our life and to be a benefit. It's wonderful. Um, so don't hear any condemnation from me because I'm, I'm the first to admit I like stuff and I like my comfort. But what we're, what we're saying here is, is my life making the teaching of God, the Savior, attractive? Is it an outward living life? Right? Notice this isn't simply just live a good life and the people around you will get saved. That's not what he's saying. Paul's saying the teaching is happening and the gospel is going out. And it, that's why our lives need to match that. So you know the saying, practice what you preach. So we say, well, you got to practice what you preach. Well, some people only practice. Some people only preach. Paul's saying both have to happen. There's practicing and there's preaching. They got to match up and they got to go together. So that's the kind of life we're called to live. Um, making the message attractive. And then the third thing we learn here about living wisely is reflected in the age groups. That, that Paul mentions, and that's this, quite simply, to know my season and embrace it. What do I mean by that? Know my season and embrace it. 
You're all in a seat. We're all in different seasons of life. Your life is in seasons. I look around the room and I see some of you are in a, in an education season. Some are in a young married season. Some are in a, uh, you know, parenting adolescent season. You're all in these different seasons of our life. And it's funny how discontent we can become. Um, in these life stages, right? The young adolescent wants to be 16 so that he can drive, get his license to drive the car. The 16-year-old just wants to graduate so she can leave home and go to college. The college student just wants to be done already. The, the college grad, you know, wants to find a partner and, and start a family. The married college graduate with kids just wants to be young and single again, <laughs> right? And the young person tries to look older and the old person tries to look younger. I see it in all of you and myself all the time, right? And then by about age 35 or maybe 40, we start looking for the brake pedal on the aging process in our life and we find there isn't one. Like where, how do you, how do you slow this thing down? And it doesn't. It just keeps going, right? And so maybe instead of being discontent with our stage in life or just sort of reliving the glory days, if you ever drop, this is a great thing. John, you know all about this. Drop in here on a Thursday night, basketball, drop in basketball. And you got all these 45-year-old guys who think they're still in high school. It's hilarious to watch. And, you know, it's just like, uh, and, no offense. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> John thinks he's still 45. So there you go. Right? But but what if instead we could accept that season that we're in and embrace that? Okay, it's the season of being a young man or an older woman or an employee or or you know, a parent or grandparent, whatever season you're in, take hold of it. Right? Maybe it's a working season or a serving season or a, a season of listening. Know your season, embrace it so that you can teach and be teachable and be a blessing. So if you're young, young people, here's the thing. If you're young, suck it up. Work hard. Get hold of life. You've got an entire life ahead of you. You've got incredible opportunities. You live at a time where there's more opportunities than there probably has been in any time before. You can do it, but you've got to get after it. If you're older, like elderly, stay active. Keep moving so that you can continue to be a blessing. But accept and leverage your life experience and the age that you're at so you can be a blessing to your family and to the church. And then if you're in the middle, somewhere in the middle, and you're raising kids and you're juggling work and home and church and hobbies, here's what we have to do. We have to do all we can to ensure that our priorities are placed in a way that we grow in our legacy as a follower of Jesus. Some things can wait. Some things can't. I, I love, in fact, Chrissy, if you're in the room, why don't you come back to the platform? We're going to close with a worship song. Uh, I, I knew this guy. He was, I talked to him actually. He was already, he was a retired doctor when I talked to him about this. And he was telling me how when he was young in his profession and the thing was you're supposed to go golfing and all the guys would go golfing. And so he'd work these long doctor's hours and then he would, you know, spend all these hours on the golf course. And he all of a sudden realized, I never see my family. And he realized, you know what? The golf course is still going to be here when my kids are grown. And he said, I hung up my clubs for 20 years. And he said, now I can play golf all I want. And it's guilt-free. And I'm loving it. And 
I play golf with my kids because of your relationship. And so know what season you're in and embrace. You can't do everything all the time. Um, I just want us to be a faithful church. That means we've got to be faithful, faithful people living wisely, right? I want us to be a faithful church. I want us to be a generous church. I want us to be a growing church. I want us to be a praying church. We want to be a worshiping church. We want to be a fun church, right? We want to be a biblical church. We want to be a sending church. We want to be all the things that make a faithful church. But that means we've got to be filled with people who are living wisely. People deeply committed to following Jesus, whatever it costs. Whatever it takes, we're going to follow Jesus. It means that you and me and the people around us, we're committed to living lives that follow Jesus in a way that makes the message attractive, a blessing. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And I thank you that you call us to live, to, to follow you. You invite us into relationship with you. And we want to respond by living wisely out of that, making you known, teaching others being ready to be taught, was always growing, always developing, living our lives in a way that makes the good news good. We thank you for that privilege. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.